Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have stand-up comedian, actor, voice artist, and radio personality, Earthquake, who is known in the entertainment world as the comedian's comedian. Coming up, I talked to Earthquake about what it was like going out to go-go parties in his hometown of D.C. The moment he knew he wanted to pursue comedy as a career and the importance of defending democracy by going out to vote next week. Up next, Earthquake. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. You know the rules. Download the podcast, refer a coworker, a family member, a sibling, leave us a five-star rating. This week's theme is show up. If you haven't already noticed, we're getting closer and closer to the midterm elections. And whether you're up to date on elections or not, I'm just here to remind you that the first step in making a change in your community is showing up. This also means showing up when it's time to cast your vote, showing up to participate in the census, showing up to make your voice heard. It's really easy to complain and be a passive participant in society. But guess what? If you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. Stand up for your beliefs by claiming your seat at the table. If you have the ability to vote, you have the power to make decisions that will pack so many lives including yours. I like to especially encourage our communities of color to go out and cast your ballot next week. I know you may be intimidated. I know you may feel like a lot of the people on the ballot don't look like you, don't sound like you. But I'll tell you what, remember, your voice, it matters. And our voices can make change in the world. My next guest knows all about using his platform to speak his mind. Earthquake is an accomplished entertainer, a gifted comic, and military veteran who isn't afraid to be his complete self on or off stage. Coming up, I talked to Earthquake about the golden days once he moved to the ATL how his service in the Air Force showed him that the world is bigger than your block and what it's been like collaborating with legendary comics like Donnell Rollins, Kevin Hart, and Dave Chappelle. Up next, Earthquake. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, 
And welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is not only a friend, but an accomplished comedian, actor, and voice artist who has starred in hilarious shows like Everybody Hates Chris, The Neighborhood, and has been called a trendsetter and role model in the comedy world. He's kicking off his Drop the Mic Comedy Tour November 5th in Columbus, Georgia. It is my honor to welcome the hilarious Earthquake to the show. (laughs) What up, my brother? (laughs) Hey, my brother, my brother, my brother. Five, five, five on it. What's no happening? I, we, we go way back to there. How you doing, man? It's a pleasure yeah, and an honor. It's an honor. I appreciate you taking the time. And as you mentioned, I know your story. We go back a long way. But I want my audience to get to know you beyond just your super dope Netflix specials and all of that good stuff. So I want to ask you. Tell me about your childhood and what was it like for you growing up in D.C. And how do you think your experience there shaped your comedy when you first started out? Well, I come from a big family. We're tight. We're close. Uh, I was not the funniest person in the family. I just knew how to put it together, you know, put the jokes together. Um, One of four uh, of five kids. Uh, I was raised by my aunt, not by my mother. Uh, my mother uh, had uh, four kids, and my grandmother told her she couldn't bring the fifth in. Five was supposed to be cool, but five was not the one for me. So oh. she allowed, yeah, she let my uh, sister, her sister raised me, which was my aunt. And, um, you know, going up in D.C. was beautiful, just like in Detroit. Hard, you know, but sweet, you know what I mean? Keep it real. Uh, have an older brother, so they paved the way. Um, for everything to be cool. Uh, you learn your biggest fights was among your brothers and other dudes. And um, it was great. D.C., I'm from Southeast D.C., um, was part of the Go-Go Band, Red Essence, Trouble Funk. Those was my <laughs> friends. We went to high school together on that. That was the childhood, staying in the Go-Go's uh, and those type of things. Nothing like you, nothing... Uh, um, athletic about me i was the dude in the stand who talked about the dudes <laughs> about you you know what i mean you know got the yes. girls that y'all didn't want you know what i mean the pom-pom girl you know what i'm saying we never got the chili just got the pom-pom girls <laughs> you so, know those type of things so growing up like and i'm glad you brought up go-go because each city each town each state has its own thing, and Go-Go was that for D.C. For those that don't know, give them a, a, a snapshot beyond EU's The Butt and Spike Lee's school days of what Go-Go was to D.C. And uh, is. It's a, the best way to describe it is if you ever watch Purple Rain and you see how Prince had it in that club and his shoulder time, we had that for Go-Go for us. It was just a different genre of music. 14 years old, being in the club to four in the morning, hearing them just crank this like that, coming home, 
in the ass whooping for being out that late. You like, I take that beat because you didn't want to be the kid at school that wasn't at the go go. Uh, they was competitive, just like y'all was in sports. Trouble Funk versus Experience Unlimited. The Godfather, who was the Michael Jordan of Go Go, was Chuck Brown. You know, and we just was in it. My um group I grew up was called Red Essence. They was my high school, my friends, and uh, they was great. They was kind of like the Jackson Five. You know, wow. young, talented. The city <laughs> loved them. The women loved them and they was my friends and it was it was a beautiful time. And it's a percussion um dominated a percussion dominated um music that you dance all night. The bands didn't take no breaks. They wow. started at eleven o'clock and went to four in the morning, man. <laughs> Duck a doop doop dot dot all night long, man. Yes. I love what that. it was. That's so classic chocolate city all day. And you mentioned Rare Essence, and now you make your name in entertainment, in particular comedy, stand-up, and in all various areas, TV, movies. When did you realize you wanted to do this for a living? Well, it was no epiphany. This is what, I mean, I never had, this was never a plan. It was just the best decision that day. I was in the military for nine years, and um, the Desert Storm War broke out. And I was like, listen, I don't mind practicing for war, but y'all fighting for real. It's time for me to go on tap on out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I could have stayed at home to get shot at, Jalen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I got out and I didn't want to go back to D.C., you know, because wasn't nothing offering them because nothing but federal jobs. And I didn't want to get into illegal pharmaceuticals. <laughs> so I turned on CNN and you know how they have those different polls. What's the best place for a black man to prosper? Wizard of the city for black people to do well. And they had Atlanta as number one. So I said, <laughs> well, I'm going. So I got four of my friends in the military. We moved wow. to Atlanta. And um, as always, it has my life always got something to do with a woman. And I took this <laughs> chick to a comedy club and um, just went forward for as a date. And she was laughing all hard. I was like, that's funny, but it ain't that funny. If you want to sleep with the dude, just say you want to give him something. You all underneath the chair. <laughs> like, hey, that's funny, but it ain't all that funny. Calm down. So she said, you can do ballad. I said, man, I heard funny or something than that. I just started and, and it never turned. Ain't nothing better came along. So thank you for your nine years of service. And there's a lot of discipline and sacrifice that goes into actually being enlisted and then accepted in the armed forces. So tell me, recall that process and what are some of the most like strenuous things you were exposed to while you were in the military? Well, the best thing I really wanted to go in the military, I would I wanted to get out of my mother's house. And they was the first <laughs> ones that would get me out of. She was hollering at she was hollering at me for free. So <laughs> might as well go in there and get hollering and get a check. So, <laughs> so it was the best move in the world because being in the inner city, you really think that's the world. You know what right. I mean? Right. And the military let me show me the world is bigger than the block. And it also let me integrated me because being in dc you say it's chocolate city it's segregated yes taught me that you know we are all the same we just do things different 
You know what I mean? And it, it just opened my eyes and it got me to see the world. And it was the best decision I ever met my, I mean, made in my life. Uh, it gave me the discipline that helps me to be the comedian. I be there on time. Keep your word. If you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. There is no excuses. Um, it was the best thing in the world, but more than anything, it allowed me to see, you know, exactly what the world is and who people are other than the narrative that was given, especially from the Caucasian point of view that they right. did stay at. And when I finally got to know, you know, be around white folks and be around different races, I found out they're the same, just like we is. We just got more in common than we got different. And they just do the same thing. They just do it different. The most strenuous thing ever was I loaded nuclear weapons for a living. Jeez. So, yeah, I wanted, I could have been an air traffic controller, but they said it would take six months for me to leave. I said, what job do you got today? <laughs> and they said, you can load bombs. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. And they, um, they said, you can leave today. I said, all right. So that's how I did it. And um, I, I tell this story all the time, man. I, it gave me a whole perspective on life when you know the p- potential of mass destruction that man has in his hand, that they can destroy this whole world. And such countries such as Russia, such as China, and of course us, they're one man that can really destroy this world if he wanted to. And once you get that knowledge and you see that, then the small things don't matter to you too much because mm-hmm. it doesn't even matter. Off of. And then when I dropped a, nuke, a nuclear weapon trying to go see two live crew, it gave me a whole new perspective, you know? So, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. So as an entertainer, a, a, a producer, an entrepreneur, somebody that's been in the military, you mentioned Russia, and now we're in an election cycle. I've appreciated how you've been really active in using your voice to tell people to participate and vote. Can you acknowledge again why that's so very important? Well, especially I really I like to be poignant to our people to be quite honest with you. I know this country has a checkered past and God knows and we got a long way to go. But if you travel this world, you will see there's a lot of people who will love to be in the situation you is that you are in right now, even at your lowest point, because mm-hmm. the opportunity that you have. I mean, prime example, if you believe in God, which I do, we never chose to be here, nor we chose the complexion or or, or the race we wanted to be or we're where we wanted to be located. Just think if you lived in Russia right now, you came to work, hey, as a basketball player, and they told you, no, today you're going to fight at the front line of Ukraine. Here's a gun without wow. no training, no nothing. Wow. Wow. You you know, at least here you have a choice. You right. you have it in certain places that, you know, you sit at a coffee table, man. You can't even sit there because somebody put a bomb there. You know, the kid, the religious right between the religious left. So you don't even have a voice. So when you see those different things, you start to appreciate, even though it's a shortcoming where you at, you still appreciate how far and how blessed you are to live in this great country. So that's why I always speak, and you must speak up for it. You must fight for this democracy. If you don't like how this country is, you can make a change. You just have to galvanize yourself with other people that like-minded, like you, 
and tell them this is where you want to change it and you can get it done. Absolutely. And well said. And I must ask you this as well. So there had to be a pivot point in your life when people went from calling you your government name to earthquake. Tell me about the transition. Well, the the thing about the earthquake thing was, you know, I I wanted, I said, let me try this comedian thing. But I didn't want to use my real name in case it didn't work. You know what I mean? (laughs) 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 You know what I'm saying? So if it didn't work, they're like, hey, earthquake, that ain't my name. My name is Nathaniel Stroman. I don't know no earthquake. You know what I'm saying? So I ain't want to scully my good name. You know what I mean? So so I I used it. I didn't have faith that this would work. So I went up there and said, my name is earthquake. Maybe that earthquake, I yeah. So it, 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 it hit off. So I could never come back to my real name. So I'm saying that's the reason I came up with Earthquake because I didn't have the confidence to believe or did I I never made the decision was this really was going to be what I wanted to do. And if it failed, I had, you know, I could fall back. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. (laughs) That wasn't me. Right. Because see, my my family didn't even know I was a comedian. And this is what I was doing to about eight years in it. And then at some point, like all of your fans, they had to get a chance to see you perform. There were shows like Def Comedy Jam and so many avenues for comics to be seen. And you came onto the scene like wildfire and made a name for yourself. So just talk about that phase of your career when you were making a name for yourself on stages like that. Well, what the beautiful part about it, the God, God is so blessed, has blessed me so much. I couldn't get any jobs at the local comedy club. Mm. So um, I called my mother and said, I can't get no job at the comedy club. They say they're going to put me up, but they won't. She said, what did I tell you? You never get mad at a man that a boy that a man that won't let you ride his bike. You either get your own bike or don't ride at all. Mm. So I went and got my I went and got my I got my own comedy club. Mm. And and that allowed me to stay on stage and do all the time that I wanted and everything. And I built it as the number one comedy club in Atlanta. It's still there today. It's called Uptown Comedy Corner. And from there, people were all, oh, that's just the same time was the infusion of Dirty South was getting their music in. The mm-hmm. face of uh, Luda was on the radio. All of us there. Uh, mm-hmm. It was said with Jermaine, so, so deaf. Um, TLC. So we mm-hmm. all was coming up at the same time. So I had the comedy. They had the music. So we'll go to there, come see me in a whole nine. So I said, this could really work. And I was there when Atlanta was Atlanta. It was hot and it was sitting there. So I was making a name for myself. And, you know, Chris Tucker and the rest of them. It's like, hey, man, you need to come on and go to L.A. It's time for you to go. I said, no, brother. I've just been loading missiles for a while. I'm staying right where I'm at. Come on, man, you're bigger than this. I said, no, nah, I'm staying right here. I got all the women. I go to Madison. I go to my club. I go to Madison. Then I go to DR's. Then I go to 112 to 7 in the morning. This is heaven, man. I'm good. I mean, it's off the chain, right? And so I started making my name for myself in Atlanta. And then eventually me and my partner broke up and I moved to uh, Los Angeles. I've been here ever since. So Detroit and Atlanta have a kinship. I'm pretty sure you know this. and. I remember when I first heard Southern Playalistic Cadillac music. Yes. 
by Outkast. And that album, I was like, I'm going to Freak Nick. I must yeah. go to Freak Nick. And in attending Freak Nick, I got a chance to go to Magic City. And at Magic City, I run into Mark Curry and Earthquake. <laughs> and to this day, I have a picture of us at Magic City from Atlanta <laughs> in the early 90s. So please elaborate on the golden days of when Atlanta, people see it now. And of course, the artists T.I., Jeezy, 2 Chains, Lil Baby are now just taking it to another stratosphere. But I remember when L.A. and, and Baby Babyface moved to L.A. and you mentioned Dion's and just, just talk about those years of Atlanta. Well, that was the golden part of Atlanta. That's when dollar dance could hang with thousandaires with millionaires and it was no envy among anybody. We all was there and was no hate at all. I swear for that particular day that we ran into, you ran into us is I was opening up for Mark Curry and he had, he was at the funny bone and he was his first time. And we was in there having us rolling up. I said, let me take you to magic city. And I took him. He has never been to magic city at the time. The owner, you know, is a, has been a friend of mine since the day I first went in there because I moved from got out the military. Like I saw previous and went to Atlanta, didn't know nobody. So I said, where did it go? They said, it's a club called Magic City. I thought it was a <laughs> nightclub. Ooh. And it turned out to be a strip club. And I had never been to a strip club. And to see those beautiful black women, yes. just gorgeous, it just blew my mind. I got there about 3 o'clock and stayed 3 o'clock in the evening. And didn't leave till 3 in the morning. And Magic came up to me and said, boy, you've been here all day, man. I said, this is outstanding. Never seen nothing like this. I said, do you, do you come here often? He said, you, he said, I own it. I said, you own it? Look at God. Boy, you're the most best man in the world. So from there, we've been friends. He gave me drinks. He let me come in for free. He sit there on it. And everybody, once I got my club, I, it was a ritual. Take all my friends, all the comedians, take all of them and sent all of them down to Magic City, and, and we had a good time, and it was so cool back then. The That's legendary. Shout to the yeah. OG Magic, my guy, too. I have to ask you, I was just thinking as you were talking about starting your own comedy club, and that put you in position to perform and to, in theory, practice your chops in a lot of ways. But as yes. a fan of television and of movies, what are your top five comedic movies? Ooh. Oh, man. Um, Trading Places. Mm. Uh, um, oh, God. Harlem Nights. Mm. Which Way Is Up? <laughs> um, yeah, Saturday Night Live and Uptown Saturday Night and Uptown. Yes, those two. Yeah, those are my five. Yeah. The lost, Mac. Live with it. Live <laughs> with it. I love that. What is it like for you recently? So, Killing the Game, congratulations, as I mentioned. Shows, stand-ups, movies, everything. 
and you was recently on shore with the funny Donnell Rollins. What yeah. was that like collaborating with him, Kevin Hart, and Dave Chappelle? Well, Dave Chappelle is is my man. He's produced my special. I mean, because of him, so many doors open up for me. The hottest special, please, anybody watch, it's called Legendary on Netflix, produced by Dave Chappelle. Uh, me and Donnell are from D.C., as well as Dave Chappelle is. So we said we'll go on tour. We went on a legendary tour together. Good friend of mine. Kevin Hart is, I know how you feel. Uh, you know, you've seen, you played when Mike was there to see a person take basketball and go global with it. Mm. The business-wise, I tell comedians all day long, Kevin is going to be the first in my lifetime, in my touch, a billionaire off of these jokes. Yep. And he has paved the way to move the money like Magic yes. and Bird did for yes. y'all first for the yes. NBA. Yes. And then Jordan came and yes. took it to another level. Kevin is doing that for our profession. Mm-hmm. And I root for him and the rest of him. I say, there's no way he's going to make a billion dollars and I don't make 10% of it. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Can I at least get those taxes? <laughs> yeah, I got to at least make. I, I got to sell mine for at least a tax for a hundred million. Exactly. I can get a hundred million if he go get a billion. If he got, I got to. I got you know to say, <laughs> ain't no way. I haven't had. You know, I'm still trying to get the opportunity. I like Bernie said. I'm kind of in that Bernie thing, still waiting for that opportunity. Because the only difference between me or any comedian at that level, they was given the opportunity and they cashed in on it. Mm-hmm. And on that end, that opened up other opportunities for them to do things, you know? So I I, I work at that. And that's just what I'm looking for now is that opportunity. As you mentioned the legendary Bernie Mac, it reminds me around a week before his passing, I interviewed David A. Arnold on this show. And I know you have a great you have a great relationship with him. Can you just acknowledge what he meant to your life? Um, David Arnold was my friend, colleague. We rooted for each other. He had a date. He had his um, Netflix special that parents the what we call it the glass ceiling to the majority. Finally acknowledged who he was as a comic, and he was getting those opportunities. And Jelly, to be quite honest with you, that's the biggest fear of being in this game for so long that you finally get your shot and you never get a shot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To enjoy that shot. Right. You know, like Bernie never got his shot. He right. got his shot, but he never got the shot. You yes. know what I mean? He got the rose, but he never got to drop the top and ride it down yes. the beach. And, you get what I'm saying? Yes. And you, you that's the biggest fear. And, you know, you sit there and you see my man. He finally was getting poses and acknowledgement. And then my Lord and Savior tapped him on the shoulder and said, come on home. And it broke my heart. And it also re-energized me to be like, okay, mm-hmm. not to put no extra effort into it, but just to pray more that op- that this opportunity, when it does present itself, I get to enjoy it on the earth, you know, on that situation. That's the biggest fear. And and he was my friend and um, I miss him and he'll constantly remind it, you know, 
Life is short, bro. Absolutely. Rest in peace. And before I let you get out of here, and again, I appreciate you taking the time. I have to ask, what is your advice to the new generations of comedians who are navigating stand-up? See, I've seen you dozens of times rocking audience, but today there's so much happening online as well. So what are your advice to a generation of comedians that are learning to navigate both ways? Well, I use the metaphor, as you would tell any athlete, it's good to have social media, but you got to stay in the gym. Because mm. eventually, you're going to have to show you can play. You know what I mean? Mm. You're going to have to show that you're funny. Eventually, they're going to put you in a room and they're going to ask you what's funny. They're going to add, and you're going to have to show that you know what's funny. So if I had to tell any comedian, be original because they already have an earthquake. They want you. What your strongest mm. attribute is, your individuality. Mm. Stay humble. Anywhere that you can pick up a mic and show your talent and do your talent, do it. Instagram and social media is outstanding, but nothing beats the gym. And the gym is the no. stage. Nothing. Because right there, you get immediate reaction if it's funny or not. And you're going to need that. And that's so, what I tell them. So what about, and I, I got to follow up with that. Because there's a level of perseverance you also have to have as an athlete because we're going to have turnovers, we're going to miss shots, we're going to lose games. As a comic, I always felt like that was the toughest profession because you're charged to entertain a room full of people that you don't know. So what about overcoming, because it happens to everybody, a time when you bomb? Well, what you must do... Someone told me a long time, when you're not motivated, stay consistent. When you're motivated, stay consistent. Mm. Stay consistent. Have a level. You as a comedian know what's funny. And stay on that level on it. This is one thing I, I remind, I tell people, comedy is, reminds me in a, being in a relationship with a black woman. You can call her sometimes, you might, but you can never leave her. Because if you leave her, you never can get her back. Now, <laughs> you might, might take two or three days off. But if you leave her, you'll never get her back uh -huh. the way she was. So stay in it. Stay, uh -huh. Once you get it and you get her, stay with her. Might give her a couple of days off, but you mm -hmm. got to come back Wednesday. got to come back Thursday yes. and show you yes. love her. But if you drop it, if you see most comedians, when they go through movies and TV, they never come back because they know once they break up with her, she's not going to bring you back. Mm. You're never going to have that same relationship. But you see the ones like the Kevins that stage or Dave Chappelle stay on stage. No yep. matter what accolades they get, they stay to the stage because they know if they ever leave her or disown her, she will never take you back. I love that. And to quote the GOAT, Jay-Z, you can't turn a bad girl good because once a good girl tone gone bad, she gone forever. Forever. <laughs> I totally get it. But before I let you get out of here, one of the funniest people in the history of comedy, Earthquake. I got a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? I'm with you, brother. Let's do it. All right. So we back in D.C. for the day. What is the first restaurant we hitting up? Uh, Henry Soul Food Cafe. 
Get you some wings with mumbo sauce and some turkey legs. Yes, mama, this is something. Henry's Soul Food Restaurant. I need that. If you hadn't ended up in comedy as a career, and I know you were in the military, what other professions do you feel like you would have been good at? Great. A lawyer, litigator, defense lawyer. Yes, that, Johnny Cochran. Yes, that, that, lawyer. That, that, and, and those two professions are a lot more tied than people would realize. Yes, my closing argument would get you all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what city, and I know you from DC, would you say has the best stand-up audiences and or the toughest? Ooh, you know what goes underrated? Cleveland, Ohio. Very mm -hmm. educational, very they astute. Is a great audience for our comedy. And your hometown of Detroit, too. Yeah. Those two, I will put them one and one A, either or. Yeah. No doubt. And you rock that stage, and you know you a legend everywhere, but especially there, selling out anytime. And lastly, but certainly not least, what do you have in store for the future? Well, right now, I want to have a TV show. I want to do more movies. But we're about to kick off this uh, tour uh, with me, Cedric the Entertainer, D.L. Hughley, uh, Mike Epps, and D.C. Youngfly. Ooh. Yeah, we're coming to your town. That's going to be it. We're going to kick it off at the beginning of the year. And that's what we're coming together, all of us together. What's the name of the tour? Did y'all create one I, just yet? I don't know what the name of the tour is going to be. But when you got Cedric the Entertainer, D.L. Hughley, Mike Epps, yours truly, and bring got to bring a young one in there, D.C. Young Fly, who is so spectacular. He's so funny. Together, you can call it all. Ain't nothing left. <laughs> 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 Ain't nothing left. <laughs> Ain't nothing left. Ain't nothing left. Ain't nothing left. left. All gone. All, All gone. gone. All gone. All love and blessings, my brother. I'll see you before the tour, but I'll definitely see you on it. Continue to do your thing. Earthquake, thank you for joining the Renaissance Man. Have me, anybody want to follow me, please hit me up at The Real Earthquake on all social media platforms. I love you, Jalen. You my man. God bless you, man. Stay strong as always, man. The pleasure and the honor to be your friend, brother. That's mutual, family. Blessings. Last call. Last call. I'd like to thank my friend, my brother, Earthquake for stopping by the podcast. And I want to congratulate him for kicking off his Drop the Mic comedy tour this Saturday. One thing that stuck out to me about Earthquake is how he really spoke from the heart about one of his greatest fears. That would be to leave this world before getting to fully enjoy all of his accomplishments. And I know if you've been following the news, we lost another member of the hip hop community. One third of the Migos takeoff was shot and killed. He just talked about this and that's such a real feeling. And I think anyone, not just people in entertainment can relate to this. I think that's why it's important to enjoy where you are in your journey. 
Work hard to be in the moment as you climb the ladder of success. So I ask you, look in the mirror right now. What areas of your life do you want to be more present in? Whether it's watching your kids grow up or your next big performance. Just remember, when you live in the moment, you won't miss a thing. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.